Hi, and welcome to the Lehman Krellin Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Baker. In this podcast, we focus mainly on regulatory compliance issues coming out of the UK, but there is a global component to the content we present. We hope you get value out of this one. Thanks again for listening. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us on the Lehman Krellin Podcast. Today, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to have a different format. We're going to have a roundtable discussion with regard to data management, and we're going to cover this topic in a series. This roundtable is focused on how integral data management is to various initiatives within financial services. So we have different panelists who focus on different areas in the space. We've got Zoe Keen speaking about consumer duty. We have Emily Wright covering off surveillance. Rupi Johal Christophers is going to help us look at data issues from a financial crime perspective. And Kath Lehman will give a general overview of what she's seen with some clients solving problems in the space. So we're going to break the segments into data sources and collection, data cleansing, processing. We're going to speak a bit about data storage, data interrogation and analysis. And then we'll have a segment on management information and reporting. So our first segment will cover off data sources, and collection. And Rupi, I'm going to start with you. What are some primary data sources you've seen utilized by clients? I would also like the panelists to cover off anything they've seen around data accuracy and completeness during the data collection process. Interesting question, Damon. So um, a really big topic amongst my clients is data stewardship, which basically tackles this question. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm going to say certainly some of even some of the FIs that I'm with, some of the banks that I'm working with, certainly in the digital space, where you'd expect this to be far more advanced and, and mature. Um, one of my clients is actually sort of starting from the beginning, and I have I've hired a data steward, a data a data investment officer, who is accountable for identifying all of the data in the bank, the golden source, and then allocating an owner for it, which is very interesting because in the financial crime space, do I actually own data? I don't think we do. I I think aside from scores that we create internally, like customer financial crime scores, I don't own the financial crime team. The MLRO very rarely owns the underlying sort of customer static data points. So it's an interesting concept where a consumer as in the financial crime team, the money laundering reporting officer is a consumer of data from the the business side, the commercials, really. I haven't actually seen that, Rupi. So anyone else want to jump in on this topic with regard to a data steward as the owner of data? So what I've seen from from people doing is, um, yes, they've, they've tried to allocate an owner and it becomes very tricky because they try and make it one person. And and the reality of organisations of any size is it can't be one person because the nature of data is so fluid uh, and the nature of data is by its very sort of nature um, quite um, disparate. Uh, and so one one very interesting example um, I've seen work and actually personally I've put into practice as well is to put together a software inventory. And you use that software inventory to tell you what software am I utilising? 
Why am I using it? What's the purpose of it? What's the nature of the data being stored in that? And then you go on to ask yourself questions about, so um, what's the business case behind it? And therefore, who owns the business case? So then you get your owner of the business case. That will be a separate owner to the person who maintains the software, often IT, cyber, someone like that. Uh, and then what data are we storing in that? And you'll find that you've probably got multiple owners of that data. Some might be relationship managers. Some might be product owners. Some might be um, very much the back office servicing areas. And so you get multiple owners of data. And then you will also find that you end up with multiple different owners uh, who are responsible for keeping that data up to date. And if you follow that methodology, I think that way it becomes much clearer who owns the data, answer probably multiple people. And you also end up in that situation where actually I was in uh, talking at an event um, uh, recently and um, everyone said, oh, data, oh yeah, compliance owned data because regulations make us keep data. No, uh, being quite brutal about it, that's nonsense because no, every business is a data business. And the commercial reasons for being in business is to capture data and be able to mine data and then be able to make sales on it. We're not doing it because the regulator tells us to hold data. The regulator might tell us to capture certain data and report it, but not to hold it. Uh, so if your answer is compliance, honestly, think again, your commercial drivers for the business are upside down. Uh, sorry, that br brutal truth, but um, I think we need to rethink that one. And Zoe, are you seeing something similar in your context? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with the exercise on a yearly basis where we have to aggregate every single piece of data that we we use, and obviously that includes, as as Catherine was inferring there, anything that's stored in in specific systems. So identifying those systems and then identifying the data held within those. But then there's a lot of work that that compliance, even you know, across businesses that will operate off Excel spreadsheets. Um, and how that data is is handled and stored and managed, who has access to it as well as is vitally important. And of course, the consumer the consumer duty has opened up a whole can of worms um, in regulation to data, because some of that data is now special category data or protected characteristics, which of course need to be handled in a very specific manner. And where do you hold that information and who has access to it? Um, it becomes a little bit more complex. So, yes, I am familiar with the exercises, but I'm interested as well speaking to, to customers and clients in terms of how they're managing all of that additional data that they've been seeking out to help them implement the consumer duty. It has been an interesting journey. And Emily, you get the last word on data sources and data collection. What are you seeing? Uh, well, the, the problems vary as much as the data sources vary. So if we look at the world of surveillance, there's some really distinct data sets and they all suffer from their own challenges. Um, the first one is the really structured data set, which would feed into trade surveillance. And that would be from any platform or market where you're collecting you know, product codes and timestamps and all of that really structured data around market transactions. Um, the challenges there are often that different platforms collect different information. When you move into the world of OTC products and particularly fixed income, there's less consistency across the market. 
um, you know, things being priced by yield, by price, um, data references not all lining up. Um, but they are probably more limited and they are very mature problems that have been worked on by the entire industry for a long time. And we've got some data sets like equities, exchange-traded products generally, that are really very good. From there, though, if we move into the world of e-communications, so electronic communications, which would be any kind of written communications that um, an institution is capturing, and you just look at the plethora of channels, which is what we call them there, um, and how many there are and the different formats that exist. And that could be anything from a Bloomberg chat through to some institutions these days have got WeChat being captured, they've got WhatsApp being captured, but you would have a whole lot of other chat platforms. People have got blue jeans, they've got teams, as well as all of your formal, more probably traditional channels like email that exist. Um, so all of those different channels have got to be captured and every single one of them comes with a small amount of structured data sometimes around the identities of the individuals communicating, but the vast amount of it is unstructured data. And so there are different challenges across all of those. And I think the biggest challenge for surveillance is really just how many of them there are, how quickly new ones are coming into the world of surveillance and having to be captured and then put under surveillance. Um, and the different ways that those formats show up. So when somebody's got to go back and review those, what you end up seeing often isn't the UX that the person using the interface would see. And so they can look quite different. Um, and then the third data set you've got is probably even more complex again, and that's where you're capturing audio or voice data. So that's where people are making calls and they're on recorded lines because the information is business relevant and therefore has to be captured. And what happens there is, again, a multitude of channels and they have proliferated. So Obviously, we all remember the old turrets and dealer boards and very traditional hardline telephones. They've been around for a long time. They have challenges because you've often got boom boxes, you've got open speakers and a lot of background noise. So cleaning up those data sources, plus they're very parochial. The providers for each of those tend to be in each country, in each destination and often have different formats. And the save down processes for some of those formats are really challenging. But then... Over the last five years, we've obviously seen that, well, probably more than that, but we've seen that expand. First of all, we had to go on to mobile phones, and so you've got recorded mobile phones, um, and then you've ended up with all of the online channels where people can speak now, often with video, but it doesn't matter even if you're capturing the audio. And again, you know, we mentioned Teams earlier, but people have got so many different channels coming in where there's an audio line that could be used, and they're used for business purposes. And again, all the different formats and uh, and all the different ways of capturing that and of course limiting some of the functionality there you've also got challenges on things like mobiles where if you're trying to look at who's communicating quite often on something traditional like an email address there's structured data with an actual email address and you've quite often got signatures and footnotes and all sorts of things so understanding who's involved in that communication is a lot easier when you get into things like mobile telephones you've got a phone number and it can even be withheld. And so quite often, you know, the information is reduced as well as comes in so many different formats. So I think probably in terms of data sources, there's a huge number of them, and that is a problem. There's new ones being added, and the collection really does vary with all of those different channels, types, and sometimes even down to country and country regulation. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Kath, Rupi, and Zoe for your input on this topic. Join us in the next segment, please, when we discuss data cleansing and processing.
As we bring this episode to a close, I'd like to ask you to please drop us some feedback. Let us know what's working. Let us know where we can improve. And also, give us an idea of some topics that you'd like to hear more about. Definitely check out the website for more content at www.lehmancrellin.co.uk. And don't forget to join us next time on the Lehman Crellin Podcast. Until then, thanks for your time. Goodbye. Goodbye.